0: Okay, we are now live on Facebook. So it is November 18th, Wednesday. This is our fourth episode of Reflection Artist Live, and we have our special guest with us, Brian Crosby. Uh, he is out of Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, he is the owner of Detail Link, and he's been in the industry for 28 years strong. Uh, he's a huge influence in the industry, especially amongst uh, distributors and storefront, and he has huge success with that, which we'll dive into later. Um, but just to give you a quick background that I'm sure if he'll reiterate, but again, 28 years in the industry. Um, he started doing this when he was 15 years old, out of high school. Uh, he has, you know, two years of ownership of of doing mobile detailing, going into, you know, the, the car wash side of things and just understanding the ins and outs of how our industry works from different platforms of detailing. Um and he, He's been on a route truck for years. I mean, he has all those different areas that he's covered and, and getting the experience at a level that not most are able to, which is really neat. So his feedback is uh, huge of, in regards to value of what you know, his experiences are. So uh, thanks, Brian, and uh, welcome. And uh, why don't you give us a little rundown on, on more involvement of your history and what got you into detailing starting from that, that age of 15 when you were just a youth getting into this.
1: Well, hey, thank you for inviting me. I'm really honored. Appreciate it very much. So, um, yeah, I started at a car wash when I was a freshman in high school. It was like the place to work at. Um, from wiping off cars, prepping them. Uh, eventually, they moved me into being the ticket writer. so I sold all the services. And the detail shop literally was the two bays off of where we rode all the, the cars coming into the car wash. We vacuumed in the front. We were one of the first car washes. This is back, you know, 89, 90, that had actually vacuums in the front. That was a trend that didn't really hit the car wash market until early 2000s, just the way the, the owner designed the car wash.
0: So hey, you, were, you were ahead of the game if you had vacuums on site during that time.
1: Well, yeah. So, I mean, this is a traditional like 120 foot, you know, Sunny's tunnel at the time, um, you know, where we're hand prepping wheels and we loaded it onto the track and then the car would send through. We'd go through the dryer, but we still wipe it off, wipe up the door jams vacuum it windows tire shine, traditional full service car wash but when they stuck nice. me as a ticket rider, i liked it i made great commission money as a ticket rider. but i was next to the detail shop all the time it was very intriguing i was always looking around the corner
0: <laughs> what was, magic's going on yeah, back there what's right going on there
1: that's where the cool kids were so um that led me to ask more and more questions about what was going on there and then the guy that was in there uh the guy's name was dorian at the time and he brought me in he was you know middle-aged guy been doing it for 20 years and we're in there running the you know i call them the door weights now the gem orbital polishers the 18 15 pound gem orbital polish that's what i started on and uh and then Thank he'd show me, yeah, the, 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 uh, yeah. <laughs> i literally have one propping open my door right now <laughs> yeah. um,
0: who needs a shake weight these days when you got a gem orbital polisher right yeah, uh,
1: <laughs> exactly so um, you know he kind of during slow periods i'd run in there like hey what can i do to help you and uh know that led me to learning all the stuff about detailing the way he did it and he came from a dealership background and ended up working in this full service detail shop at a car wash in the town i grew up in so i just i just watched it was intriguing i wanted to do it and that led to me being in the detail shop um my senior year of high school working there after school and um, during the summer months and then basically when i got out of high school I was that kid I knew it wasn't going to do well in college. I would have either drank my way through it or uh, partied too much and gotten kicked out. So my parents and grandparents, you know, like we were going to go to school. I was like, I don't think so. I want to try to do this car detailing business on the side. So I literally, with a loan from my grandfather, he gave me $10,000. I went out and I bought a trailer and a pressure washer and a generator. And I put all this stuff on this trailer. And, and off I and went.
0: I, not to cut you off, but think about too that time frame, how difficult was it to get those items? It wasn't where you could just go to a place that's plug and play that says, Yeah, we could do this for you. I mean, was it or was it? I mean, compared so, to now, anybody could just go to a place like yours and you could bundle it all together for them. It yeah, wasn't like back, that. Back then, their
1: traditional like detail sales companies, you didn't go to their warehouse. So the first thing I found was this company called Protect Polishing Systems. And they sold me, you know, a compound, a polish and a wax or sealant that they called it at the time. And they said it would guarantee a, y- a year, right? You know, it was, it was their Teflon sealant. So it was like, you know, $1,800 package. You went in for a day's training and you bought the stuff and you ended up with stuff. And it actually
0: worked pretty well for what it was. Um, I like so that I approach, that. the integrated training with the product. So they're-
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, you know, if you think about it, they were kind of even ahead of the game then. Um, yeah. They were selling a system. Yes. So I bought the system and it worked well, but that led me to look like what's better than this. And I was always, I'm always trying to look at everything in a three, five and 10 year view. What's yep. three years out, five years out and 10 years out. Yep. So as I started shopping around, this is really even before the internet was like, people weren't selling anything on the internet, yeah. you know, but you're still looking. And um, I was always trying to talk to other people that did what I, what I was doing. Like, how are you doing this? Where are you buying? You know, it, I've always been that guy. I was, I always tried to make a friend with everybody like, Hey, how do you do this? What are you doing different? And, but I could learn anything from anybody. It was a good thing. So I did the de- or the mobile detail thing was quite successful. I literally I handed out flyers at my dry cleaners that my girlfriend worked at the time. So she, she had flyers up front. So all these soccer moms would come in like, Oh, my car cleaned, he'll come to my driveway. And within six months it led me into making a contact with a used car manager at a car dealership he's like, Hey, Brian, I'll clean, you know, I'll pay you to clean my cars. I was like, great, steady, you know, wholesale revenue. It's going to pay the bills. So I ended up sharing a building with a used car dealer. Um, at the time it was like a Highland wholesaler. So I got his cars and then several other wholesale dealers were sending me their cars. So what started off as a one man operation, I had four employees, like almost overnight cleaning up. We were doing anywhere between six and eight cars a day, but this is oh, wow, you know, wholesale work. You were getting like a hundred to 125 dollars a car. It wasn't anything great, but you were still working on the car for four or five hours. And I was splitting um, I was paying my employees like a flag time to 50% of whatever the car paid. And then I was covering all the expenses on the other side. So a year and a half into doing that, I was just felt overwhelmed. I was 20 years old. You know, I just turned 20 and I was like, this is not for me. And I was literally I was watching all my friends off at college, having a great time partying. And so um I had a guy approach me about buying my business. I sold it.
0: Oh,
1: I nice. I was going go, to go to college. Um, and I didn't, I ended up hanging out with one of my buddies down in Florida. I blew the money in about 90 days that I got.
0: Damn uh, Florida boys.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> between offshore fishing and nightlife, you know, the money I got from my business, it lasted me about 90 days. So
0: uh, <laughs> where'd you go for Lauderdale?
1: Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I came home pretty much uh, broken busted and my dad <laughs> looked at me and goes, what are you going to do now? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but i don't know. I'll go find a job. So ironically, the guy I was buying chemicals from called me up and he's like, Hey, I want you to come work for me. And I was like, I, uh, I don't want to work for you. I want to go figure out, I want to make my own path. He goes, no, no, no. I'll, uh, I'll set you up as a sub distributor. So it sounded intriguing. And you know, I went out and I bought a big box truck. Put shelves in it and load it up with products, and I just started going dealership to dealership to dealership. Hey, I'm Brian. I I know how to do this. Let me sell you product, and that's literally how that began. At you know age 20, um, I was, and this is back when distributors were single lines. You know, so I originally was selling AutoMagic products, um, and I did that for about four and a half years. So that was from 92. I'm looking at my notes here from my LinkedIn <laughs> um, page. So I did that from. Uh, Hang on one second here. From ninety two to ninety six, and a competitor in town in ninety six started courting me, like, "Hey, come work for us. You can be our senior guy. You can run our whole southeastern division." And that, at the time, was Blue Coral Systems.
0: Mm. So
1: Blue Coral had route trucks they ran in, in the Atlanta market and in the LA market, and it was it was a good operation. It gave me the opportunity to branch off and start selling car wash chemicals inside of automated tunnels. And that intrigued me because it was something new, but I had a background in it from my high school days, so I understood the operations of it, but I didn't understand the chemistry side of it. But they were willing to teach me, and that's
0: such a big market too, it's huge it's, compared to detailing. It's it's it's
1: probably tenfold. Um, I mean, there's there's car wash companies now that sell hundred million dollars. I mean, a year in just annual revenue. It's it's crazy, and you know they're building express tunnels or full service tunnels on every other corner seems like you know at least here in the in georgia in the southeastern market uh there's more car washes per capita than even in california or texas which are the predominantly big markets so um
0: they got a lot more restrictions now too versus what we have but you're right i see it here in florida there's there's car washes popping up like there are mcdonald's on every corner
1: Yep. And well, and you know, everybody thinks there are these amazing revenue streams and they are if run properly. Yes. So, The express model seems to be the predominant model and it has been for the last 10 years, small amount of labor. um, You're not getting a high revenue ticket per car, but you're getting a monthly club member and there are, there are these express washes that'll have six and 7,000 members, but at 35 or $40 a month, the first of every month you're a couple hundred grand you know right off the rip and it's you know I use an express car wash Uh, I live in I I joke with people I live in reality I got three kids at home so um, the idea of hand washing my car and and my driveway I I just don't have time
0: for it Um, yeah I remember you mentioning that to me even in your testing with with coatings and things like that you're putting them on those same vehicles that you're running through to know, hey, this is pushing the envelope, but it's working. (laughs)
1: Well, I have
0: this philosophy about coatings. I
1: think coatings are, you know, obviously they're a great thing. And people have to decide, are they a coating purchaser because it's the ultimate protection or are they ultimate cleanability? So I want a clean car all the time. I'm that guy that rides through my express car wash three or four times a week. It's down the street from my house. You know, it's $33 a month. I have a coating on it, I'm willing to correct and recoat my vehicle every 24 months because that's about the time frame that I see where the car wash is really leaving marring or wisping behind. Um, that's where I see like, all right, that's the point where I'll repolish it and recorrect it. But what i found is with the coatings and using it that way, all the damage is in the coating. It's not necessarily in the clear. And you're, as you're compounding off the coating that you've put down, Um, you got fresh paint again, you just recoat it. And then as you ride through the car wash, the damage is being taken by that barrier of the coating. And it's the sacrificial layer. So that's how I view the coating world. I mean, there's the guys that sell coatings and you know, I'll give you all these years of warranty. And that's great. I'm not knocking that. I think it's a good thing. But I'm that guy that uses like, hey, I want my car to be clean. The car cleans easier, faster. And I've always done two math equations with people. If you paid a mobile detailer to come wash your car and you wanted your car cleaned regularly, how much would that mobile wash be? 50 dollars. Well, if you had that done once a week, times four weeks, okay, and then you times that by twenty-four months, it's expensive. And then you add a correction and coding on top of it. If if you did the math the other way at thirty-three dollars a month, okay, and a correction and coding let's just say at fifteen hundred dollars every other year and $33 a month the math comes out to be about $100 a month cost to the consumer versus 300 plus for a mobile guy so I'm not knocking it I'm just no, this is no. the math that works for me yeah
0: yeah and that's 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 well calculated advice in regards to codings and, and not to get too far off but I want to revisit and we'll revisit that but I also want to okay. continue back on what you were saying too which you got the route and you started picking up and you noticed you know working for that other gentleman at that point where did you go from there
1: so um, I got recruited away and went to work for Blue Coral Systems. Um, there was about 80 guys of us in this company all across the country, and there was 10 of us inside of a group that were the detail group. Okay, basically five that were here in the southeast, and then five that were in the uh, Southern California market. So we always collaborated, and um, I mean I'm still friends with a lot of these guys today. Um, Cheeto now works for McGuire; she's a corporate rep for them. One of the other guys that's out there, his brother Roman is still uh, a ZEP vehicle care rep. So he does car wash. Um, the guys that I dealt with here on the East coast, they're around, they're just doing other things inside the car wash market. So we all kind of grew up in this market. Um, so I spent basically almost 11 years at, e- at Blue Coral, which was purchased by Ecolab. So big, you know, Fortune 100 company yeah. bought, bought this you know, little fledgling car wash group, okay, and in Ecolab's world, if you weren't a $100 million company, you were considered an experiment, which sounds crazy, um you know, you, you think about it, but they had 13 different divisions, they were in anything from institutional, janitorial, water recla- reclamation, cleaning, multiple, they had their fingers in everything, you know, if you were in the military, your clothes were washed with the Ecolab soap, if you went to McDonald's, you saw K Chemical, the hand soap, that's Ecolab. They're in anything you can imagine, they own it. And they were very good about buying companies, leaning them out, making them more efficient. And then if they liked them, they would keep them. And if they didn't, they would sell them off. So they eventually, after I left, sold that company to ZEP. And that's now ZEP Vehicle Care Division inside of ZEP. And I'm still a distributor for them to this day. So I left um, uh, Ecolab in 2006. Um, I basically, I was I was kind of... The corporate life wasn't for me. It was it was good while well, it lasted. I loved it. They taught me
0: a ton of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Ran its I, term. You absorbed the knowledge.
1: Yeah. And it was just time for me to do my own thing. So I literally uh I went to Fidelity. I, I cashed out a hundred thousand dollars out of my four oh one K. Um, that was humbling because they I said, I'm here to get this money out. And they handed me a check for fifty-six thousand dollars. I was like, where's the other so taxes and uh, you know ten percent withdrawal penalty. Ah, oh, the penalty. Oh. Yes. So uh, I walked out of there like, <laughs> damn, <laughs> out my money. Um. So I basically I started a company. I went and bought QuickBooks. I got a computer. I knew how to sell all this stuff. Running my business became then my Achilles' heel. I had to. That's where I struggled, man. In my business, it went from nothing to $50,000 a month overnight because all my old customers like, well, we want to buy from you. And I was competing against my old company. Just I took 90% of my book of business in 90 days. Yeah. And, it, and, and then it grew and grew. And I added another truck in six months and hired a buddy and we were just moving. We were rolling. I, I went a hundred thousand dollars in credit card debt, keeping up with my receivables and my inventory. Um, you know, it's since paid that debt way off years. That's because
0: you got so much going out and so much demand of what needs to come yeah. in and to balance that.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I literally, I, the, the 56,000 I started with, okay. That was initial inventory, operational money and stuff like that. And then going from zero upwards rapidly, I couldn't keep up with my cash flow. Yeah. And so it was like credit card after credit card, buying up inventory, you know, and, and two years into it, we're clicking along, we're selling, you know, 80, $90,000 a month. And I'm like, God, how am I going to pay off all this stuff? And I literally, I started realizing that I needed a business mentor and I sought out several different guys. I'm like, help me. I don't, I understand how to sell this stuff. I need help running my business. And that relationships that I, you know, sought out, they, they helped me even out straighten out everything I was doing make myself efficient teach me the stuff I didn't know that I should have learned in school but I didn't go so yeah. um you know school hard knocks I've, I've lived through it I feel like I got a PhD um and uh you know it was uh, totally the best learning experience I could have ever had um one of the guys my business mentor now he works for me he's retired he comes in and helps run my administration stuff and oh, very nice does it does it a couple days a week and he was retired for about four years. He was bored. He says, I can't play any more golf. I'm come work for me. I was like, I can't afford you. He goes, I don't really care. Just come, come to work for you. So he works for me and helps me out. It's so like greatest blessing I have.
0: Oh yeah. Relationships are everything,
1: right? Yeah. So um, that's where I'm at now. So now my business is uh, 14 years and eight months old. It'll be 15 years in April this coming year. Um, we're going we're strong, we're growing every year, obviously, 2020 was kind of a April, May were, you know, kicking the nuts.
0: Yeah. I think
1: everybody had that.
0: Absolutely.
1: And it's, uh,
0: progressing. I mean,
1: everything's coming back. I'm curious to see what the fall brings us and winter time, you know, um, I, I, like I say, I don't know, but I feel like we're at least headed in the right direction and whoever's in office, as long as, you know, House and Congress kind of stays the way it is. I don't feel like there's going to be a lot of changes to business and regulations and taxes and stuff like that. So I feel like for at least for the next two years, things are going to be going well. That's why I'm hoping and predicting and investing towards that. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I'm always looking at other chemical lines and stuff to bring on, like what can make my business better because I sell myself in Atlanta. keeps you relevant. Yeah. I want to be relevant. And, and I sell myself in Atlanta. And this is the, the, My analogy towards Jerry Maguire movie, I want to be, uh, I'm not going to be the cheapest guy in town, but I'm going to be the guy that, like, I'll train you for free. I'm the, I sell the premium brands. I'm willing to spend time, work with your employees, customers, show them how to be more efficient. And my sales pitch is, if I make your team more efficient, then the byproduct of what I do, the expense of what I charge you for products is irrelevant because they teach them how to use it properly and then the use cost goes down people so much concerned in the detail market is how cheaply can i buy this for and they should really not be looking at that they should be looking at what is my use cost for this item what do i what does it actually make how much am i able to use of it and then that's the cost not what it costs me by the gallon or by the bottle
0: and i'm sure you experience that on on the trucks you know you get guys that come in right on the truck what's the cheapest wax you got you know, that's the first thing that they would ask, you know, when right. wax was the relevant form of protected vehicles that, you know, that's what's the cheapest the one degreaser. Where How, how concentrated is it? How much can I get out of it? You know, it's not yeah, about so what it does in the performance.
1: Explaining use cost is I live and die by it. But it's, there's there's people in our world that just they don't see through the math, even though the math is plain as day.
0: Yeah, they, you can't change the numbers
1: it can't change the numbers. The numbers are the one thing in the, in the life that doesn't lie is, you know, the science or, you know, one plus one is always two. So if they just can't see, and it's why I have, uh, I have a good, better, best offering. Okay. I have a premium, a middle of the road, and then I have the guys that can't see through the economics of it. And they're going to, they want the cheapest thing out there. I have that for them too. So I'm trying to cater to basically three different groups of people. In theory, okay, but then I sell into three different segments or really four different segments of business. I sell to new and used car dealerships. I sell to car wash tunnels or, or express and full serve. I sell to body shops and then I sell to detail shops and mobile guys. So I'm kind of four streams of revenue. If you think about it that way, we're four different ways that we go to market and who we focus on. Primarily, focus is on the car dealership. Um, secondary focus is on the detail market and then full service and then body shop last. Um body shop is really where I'll probably be focusing a lot of time in the future. Um, I feel like people that sell paint skip right over the detail stuff. And it's something that I've learned. And then you know, we're even going off and selling into other industries now. I sell to a lot of funeral homes.
0: Shiny it, it, caskets.
1: Shiny well, not shiny caskets. Um have you ever seen a dirty hearse?
0: No, not really. It, it,
1: if there were ever a, a sideline community, this is going to sound crazy inside the detail industry. People that run funeral homes are diehard uh, car clean guys. They, they love it. You know, that they actually do it during their downtime.
0: You know, one their of my, price, co- their prices must be killer.
1: Well, <laughs> I have a close, I, I've made really like, one of my close friends that I've gotten to know over the last couple of years, he owns and runs a funeral home. And I, I went back with in the garage, they stored everything he's got. You have a wall vacuum system mounted up. He's got buffers. And I go, where'd you get all this stuff? He goes, what do you think I do when I'm not, you know, embalming bodies or running funerals? I got to have something to do and this is the best way to kill my time. And all his cars look good. But he nice. was buying his stuff at Pet Boys or AutoZone. He Based didn't, on uh, the
0: recommendation of the counter that counter guy. The, uh, you know, yes. And,
1: and so when he met me, he was like, you know, I was trying to explain what He goes, oh, I want to buy stuff from you. Where's your place at? And then and he... That being a close knit community too, he started introducing me to all the people. It, just like detailers, all know one another. Mm-hmm. That industry, they all know one another. I mean, there's basically a funeral home. If you think about it, in every town, all those guys know each other. They're part of their own associations. So it's just you know, it, it's turned to be like you know this crazy revenue stream that I never thought would be there. It's just different places, and then trying to sell you know products to fire departments or municipalities uh, those guys all have fleet vehicles yeah and they're all keeping them clean like uh Georgia State Patrol I sell to them here um they regularly have prison detail guys out there cleaning their cars up they buy soap tire dressing and all purpose and they buy it all the time so
0: yeah that makes sense i mean those especially at the fire department there's a lot of downtime in making sure that yeah. they take care of those um all their vehicles but I know you've
1: seen this. How many guys are in that line of work are detailers on the side? Absolutely. Every firefighter I've ever met has a side hustle.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean... So now, with, with, your, um, with your business, how long have you had a shop or did you start with a shop or how did that work when you were, you know, with your current, with Detail Link right now?
1: So, originally, um, I started my... My warehouse was in my garage at my first house. And uh, three weeks into it, I couldn't keep anything more in my garage or my basement. I was literally stacking pallets outside in my garage and my neighbors are like, you know, what's going on over there. So, um, my best friend is a car dealer and he had a warehouse and he's like, Hey, you can put stuff in here. I'll help you out. Well, a month later I'd taken it over and I was like, I'll just pay the lease, you know? And he was very generous to do that. It was still in his name. He was trying to help me out. So I stayed in this warehouse for about uh, 15 months outgrew it. Um, and then I got my first warehouse. It was like 3,000 square feet. And we went in there and we painted the walls and I, I bought one section of pallet rack. And, and I bought a, a motorized uh, pallet jack that would lift up three tiers and, you know, put pallets up. And I, 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 was like, I thought I'd arrived. I was like, Oh, this is the greatest thing ever. Um, so over the years we pallet racked that place out and, and I, I couldn't do anything more there. And, Let's see. About three and a half years ago, I moved to an adjacent building inside my co- complex. It's uh, six thousand square feet, so I now have a full-fledged retail storefront. And then I have um, about uh, five thousand square feet that's dedicated to warehouse. And then I built out a training studio. So very nice. Um, you know, everything, all the tools are there. You want to you want to buy a tool from me? First thing is, hey, I'm going to show you each one. Come in. You can run a flex, you can run a Rupes, you can run, you know, Porta cable DeWalt, Rotary. I have them all. They're tools that I own or my loaner fleet. Um, like, hey, test drive each one. Let me show you the some real proper techniques to use them. Um, and I have demo hoods that I've acquired and, you know, hood stands, and they're able to do that. And then, you know, that space is, uh, it takes up space. It's, you know, about 700 square feet. So it's a bay and when I'm not using it, I got a a mobile guy that rents it out from me and he does his coating. He really specializes in uh, like interior restoration and odor removal, that's his kind of niche. So he's doing like cigar and uh, you know, cigarette odor removal stuff and like specialty stain removals, that's his his thing. So he runs out the bay for me when I don't use it for training. So um, that helps offset my lease on my building.
0: Very nice. Very nice. Now with having that storefront, if you notice a huge impact from not only just the detailers, but even like you said, like, you know, maybe the fireman or anybody like the funeral home where they come in and it's one thing to see it in the box truck, but it's another thing to see it in the storefront where there's a lot more presentation available to
1: appeal. Um, I actually feel like the storefront model is what will be the future Storefront e-commerce, the route truck business as I see it is shrinking. Um, I'm actually, we're in a, we're in a situation where we're trying to train or educate our route truck customer to either buy online or place orders in advance. And we're still running route trucks. Um, and, uh, I've just downsized them. I'm no longer in a large cube van running around. We're running in smaller transit or sprinter van style. It's a large van, but you know, we're able to put enough inventory on it to sell for a day. We don't carry drums on it. Um, I run a pickup truck for that. Um, Turn that off. Sorry. Um, and uh, so, you know, combination. I have e-commerce side of my website where I am selling off the internet. Two to three route trucks running at any time, and then the storefront, and where I am pretty much hanging my hat most of the time. And I go out and see customers regularly, three or four days a week, trying to you know find new business, drum up new business for my route truck sales. But my storefront sales have been, I mean, crazy growth vertical. And when I first did it, I wasn't running Google AdWords. I didn't know anything about that. It was, this has been my next learning curve, you know, the e-commerce side of the world, understanding, you know, now I have people come in all the time, you know, that are, are the home enthusiast guy, like, Hey, I got my Corvette. I want to wash it. You know, what do I need? I'm like, yeah, you need buckets, you know, grit guards, dirt locks, wash mitts. Good soap. You want a foam can and I even sell Kranzel pressure washers. And these guys are outfitting their garage, you know, Similar kudos to Matt Mormon for what he does. You know, he yeah. sells these guys on these dream garages,
0: which are way cool.
1: You know, I just but, had a
0: gentleman that we did a coding for in his brand new type R that is a huge fan of Matt and following yeah. him, and he's decking out his garage because of everything he's seen Matt do.
1: Yeah, I mean so Matt was at an event. I was at we had an event yesterday for a chemical line that's launching here in the US, Kosh Kemi. Um Matt was there, a bunch of other guys in the industry were there, Jason Otterness you know, Grant Menard, um, Jim Hutton, Andy be Cool. So th- this was all stuff that we were doing yesterday. And Matt was there. And, you know, I'm kind of inspired by his story. What he's created is this amazing thing, but that has trickled down to guys like myself and yourself and anybody in the industry. It's like cleaning your cars become cool to, you know, to even what more than what we thought it would be. Right. So, um, you know, I sell these oddball things that I didn't think I would sell, you know, pressure washers or, you know, five gallon buckets. I have all this stuff, but you know, I now have guys come in all the time. They're like, Hey, I just spot this new CA and I want to take care of it myself. What do I need? And four or five hundred dollars later, they're walking out the door and they're happy and they're like, got all the stuff and they're over there, you know, two bucket method and foam cannon washing their car. They're in love with it. I'm like, that's it makes me happy. So yeah. um you know that's all the stuff that I'm doing now out of the storefront, and it's become a almost what a route truck business sales are a month. And I, it's and now I'm spending money advertising that I have it. And you know, you've seen, and I don't know in your market, but like uh, chemical guys has opened up these clean car garages. It's actually benefited me. Like a lot of people yep. think, view them as competition. No, they don't. It, it, they're like essentially the drug dealer. They get somebody hooked, and that person gets hooked on a. on a a simple chemical and then they realize there's something better out there and then they come find people like myself so um
0: that's you're you're out there marketing and that's the thing is you've got like you had mentioned you've got these influencers like the names you just mentioned that are putting out a bunch of really good content and you get a a consumer that sees that content and then now they're like oh who's in my local market that offers something And now because of your marketing habits now they're seeing you and they're like, oh, okay, this guy has it. Oh, and he has this, what so-and-so mentioned. Now yeah. I can go to him or they went to a local chemical guys and they're like, you know, what, what else is out there? Because the only thing they could offer me is just this brand. I need something that, I need some options. I need to figure out what right. these other pros are using. And for some reason, I'm not seeing the pros using this product A as much. So I need to go find product B, C, and D. And that's where you come along.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we joke about all the time. These guys become YouTube certified. I mean, you have to, they come in, they're like, well, I've seen a bead maker and this is what this guy said to use. I'm like, well, here's the actual proper way to use it. I mean, am not saying that that guy was wrong, but that's how what works for him. Here's the proper way to use yeah,
0: it. Yeah, he wasn't getting the full potential out of the results. That, exactly. Yeah.
1: And so stuff like that. And, and, and you know, um, my bad is, is, as I'm focused on my professional side of my business, me pushing content to the Internet as something I've, I'm striving to do now, I'm trying to figure out right, how do I do that? You know, my, my wife's teaching me all the stuff about Instagram. She's somewhat of an influencer on Instagram. She's got like 5,000 followers and her whole stick is uh, th- like thrifted fashion and sustainability and shopping your closet. And she's like a sponsored Cladwell app person. And that you, these, you know, women put all their clothes in the app. And you pick out one shirt and it tells you what else to wear for the day you know
0: it, an app that basically dresses you
1: yes so um you know she's an attorney and uh you know between raising three kids and my managing my bs of the world uh it helps her manage her day she's like one less thing i don't have to think about so it, 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 it turned into be this this is her hobby now it seems pretty cool so, so
0: with with and that's awesome. that's, that's really cool, and that complements you know, sure, giving you insight and perspective on things yeah. that you can bring back to your business. And speaking of brands, I mean, just to mention, what are what are the brands that you carry in house uh, or carry so, in general? What are the brand lineups?
1: So I would say I'm a buff and shine dealer. Um, they're Thank my you. primary pad line. Um, I do carry other pads, but I would tell you that eighty percent of what I sell in house is buff and shine pads. I have some Lake Country. I have some O'Bourke pads and Rupes pads. Primary pads I sell, and still the core business that I sell to—they're buying Buff and Shine pads, quality pads at a fair price, and you can't beat that. You know there are pads that are more expensive that people just you know get hooked on name brand, and there's nothing wrong with that. They make good pads, but selling to—I'll call it the the 85% of the world that you know is production inside the dealership realm. They want a quality product and they want a fair price and buff and shine kills it in that realm. I mean, that's, that's it. They make awesome paths and they're fairly priced. You, those two roads normally don't intersect right No, no. A- and this is the one time where it does. So, um, thank you, Julio, Richard and, and y'all and, and Clint, my rep and you, and y'all kill it when it comes to product and the content you guys are bringing out helps me sell more paths. Um, uh, I sell PNS. I'm a distributor for PNS here in Metro Atlanta. I have Auto Magic. Uh, I still sell Blue Coral car wash chemicals. Um, I, I'm also I'm a Rupes and Flex dealer. Uh, I have Meguiar's. I'm McGuire's basically front guy for Metro Atlanta. Um, and then uh, I got a lot of boutique brands. I sell G Technic, Kosh Chemi. Um, oh wow, um, Oberk. Um, Jess car. I still sell some Zerna stuff. Um, it's basically, I have customers like, Hey, I want this. Can you get it? Yep. I know where to go yeah, get it.
0: blind demand. Absolutely. Sublime demand.
1: And, and it's literally what's become. Yes. I have my favorites on, on everything. And because I'm buying multiple lines I've gone through and like, Hey, these are my favorites. These are like, I, I have my, my industry favorite things that I like. like, I push bead maker, I push paint gloss or, you know, on, Automatic side, I sell a ton of this product called Special Cleaner Concentrate. It's this amazing all-purpose. It's highly dilutable without any caustic soda in it, so the guys can use it for everything. You can degrease engines with it, or you can clean leather, all based on the dilution of it. Nice. and um,
0: Safe so, and effective.
1: Yeah, and, you know, um, Kosh Chemi is a new brand that I'm carrying now. Uh, they have some amazing compounds and polishes. And some really cool, like specialty cleaners. So that's another thing that's gone real well in the last six months. Um, yeah,
0: and it's always having you know a quality brand, especially yep. that has history from their background, coming overseas now to North America, and being able to promote not just based on hype, but the quality of being the new kid on the block and being able to be the first one to bring it to market and help bring it to market is awesome.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, so if you look at CosChemie, this is probably not the best analogy. They're like almost a, a Simon Eyes in Europe. They've been around for 50 years. They have awesome products. They've just never been here in the States. Yeah. So, a, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Jim Thomas, um, had some Koshkami compounds. I saw him in like 2015. I was like, whoa, what do you got there? And he's always one of those guys that's on the forefront, always looking ahead. So, he's like, well, I'm getting this stuff shipped over from Europe. And I played with it. It's amazing. So, you know, I immediately run to the internet and like, yeah. hey, you tell me the stuff, and they're like, Well, Ryan, we can't, we'd love to sell to you, but we can't bring it to the States yet. We're not GHS uh, compliant, which is global hazmat systems. It's, it's how the whole world uh, deals with hazardous material stuff and shipping internationally. So, but they were working through that. And about two years ago, they came to SEMA. We met, you know, last year they came to SEMA. Now that, now they're a real thing, they're here. Yep. So I was fortunate to be put on as one of their first distributors, and, you know, I'm running with it. But I mean, my core stuff that I'm selling, you know, is PNS and automatic, those are my two primary lines that I run with, and then I backfill stuff with Meguiar's and, and whatnot, you know, and then and special requests
0: and so yeah. forth. Now, with all these brands and the time you've had in the market, with your history of detailing, your history of selling products, and seeing how the market changes with people's demands and what their interests are, going into coatings and revisiting that topic. You, you covered a lot of good content, but, you know, going into coatings from when you first got introduced to them to where they are now and the decisions you made as a business owner. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: So probably first started seeing coating stuff around 2010, 2011, and, you know, being this kind of skeptical cynic at the time. I was like, ah, I don't know if that's going to sell because, I mean, Justin, my core business is car dealerships, you know, yeah. so grease, tire dressing, wax. Um, but it was intriguing and then, uh, you know that side of the industry is it's where the cool kids play and, and, and they're like oh I, I, I definitely like that you know And so I started researching and looking at it, you know so first things I was seeing was like optico you know and I'd play around with it and I would realize that the standard guy couldn't do it. There was too many variables and complications that the typical detailer would run against this is for the educated guy, the guy that's a student that, really wants to be in the game it's a, a, you know they take their craft seriously um and then other stuff started coming on the market and you were looking at it and watching it and you know so about 2015 um 2014 2015 i was looking heavily talking to companies about which product lines i was going to bring in and um I was talking heavily with CarPro pro Corey down there and we had a couple conversations. And just so happens that, you know, Jim was here and he was a large G-Technic guy and um, meeting, you know, Andy B. Cool at the time, he was kind of repping G-Technic and then them hiring Andrew Workheiser here. Um, and it was in Metro Atlanta. So they're going to be based in Metro Atlanta. So them being in my backyard, you know, I was like, Hey, I want to help. I want to be part of this. And that's how the whole coding side took off for me. So been heavily in it you know basically since 2015 like selling coatings is super cool um and those boutique products and niche things they have their place and it's it's getting to be a bigger part um of the future but i think now that the bigger companies have seen what they probably thought i thought in the beginning uh that may or may not take off you know they might have been skeptical about it now they're like hey yes it's viable business yeah and now they're coming out with coatings, and their coatings I think in the long run are going to come out to be either on the level of performance and ease of application they're probably going to beat them in ease of application i think in the long run i think that the majors will come along and be like hey and and that's just you know that's the natural progression of bigger companies yeah, getting involved it's evolution it's, a, it's exactly it's evolution i'm not saying the boutique companies are going to disappear they're going to have to do stuff to be on the forefront of staying relevant
0: yeah yeah, they're gonna have to do some unique things to make their right. stuff unique and different yes, and than what and the bigger box what, guys are that's coming. That's where out they
1: with. got to where they're at. So I'm like, all right, what's the next step? What are they doing next? And you know, I'm watching, watching what's coming down the pipe. You know, like the big trend, and I see a lot of uh, really serious detailers when they kind of mastered their coding world, they're all diving off into the PPF world, right? And it's all about ticket revenue per car at your shop. PPF is way bigger revenue than correction or coding on top of doing the correction. So you correct the car, you wrap it, and then you code it. And yep. you take a car that, you know, could have been a couple hundred bucks because it turns into be five or
0: $6,000. Yeah, your, you your know? bottom line ticket gives, bottom becomes line ticket doubled if, easily, if yeah, not I mean, more.
1: I, think about think about the evolution of your business. You know, first you were doing, probably doing regular detailers, and then corrections came along, then coatings came, and then you're in window 10, PPF. I mean, it's just multiple streams of revenue all coming to make, at the end of the day, we're talking about dollars per car. Yeah. How much revenue can I generate off this customer, make them happy and make them
0: come back? Now, would you say, because you had mentioned earlier about, you know, the, the common core detailer versus the smarter detailer getting into coatings, because that was more of what the coding companies aimed for uh, as their installers. Do you think that coatings have also made smarter detailers because it's forced yeah. detailers to become better at the craft so they could be an installer and, and do the applications at the level that are known for it? So I'll track this back. Remember when Mobile Tech used to be
1: in that basement warehouse building and it was literally like a, a, it was 99% paintless dent removal and detailers were were the small little group of guys standing off to the side. I remember going to one of the first mobile techs and I was like, I'm never coming back. This is a, this is a painless dent removal, you know, fraternity party. I'm not, I'm not, this is not us.
0: Good story. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Still Um, is a fraternity party for those guys. (laughs) Yeah. So
1: um, I I didn't go for a couple of years, but I did join the IDA and I was like with this fledgling member. I paid my membership, didn't pay attention to what was going on. Um, And then David Pedro, he's like, man, Mobile Tech was great this year, you missed out. And I was like, no way, I don't believe it. I went, you know, three years ago with you and you and I sat off on the side of the bar and, you know, drank bourbon and and, uh, we were laughing about all the PDR guys, which, you know, that's their world. So, you know, kudos to them. Um, They were probably doing the same thing in their groups laughing at, those are the guys that wax the cars, you know? (laughs) So um, I think that the coatings have brought the level of education and drive for education tenfold to the, our industry it's made it where like guys are seeking out knowledge and they're wanting to do better. Um, and then wanting to do better has made them more efficient. It's made them better business people. It's everything about their game has had to climb up because the coatings were more complicated to install. You had to have the paint perfect. So then that led to like perfect paint correction and, and guys chasing after this 100% perfection, right? I mean, the general consumer will only see an 80% car, you know, and they'll run past you. Hey, looks great. And you jump in their car and you're like, what are you doing? Yeah, I just just did 20
0: hours on this. Come on, give me some, give me some, you know, appreciation here.
1: So you know, Jimbo, yesterday he and I were talking and he, we were laughing about it. You know, the the details are chasing after this 100% car. He goes, you know what? I stopped doing that. He goes about the fifth time that someone leaned over on their car and wrote their check to me on the hood that I just corrected and coded and gave me a check and smiled and left. And I was like, he couldn't believe it. So you just stop worrying about it. And I think that's where guys are at now. Um, Guys are getting into the coding world and they're educating themselves and they're, they're chasing after that perfect paint. And once they do that for a while, they realize it's not hundred percent necessary. You know, they can get a car in my eyes or your eyes at, you know, 80 to 90%. And that's going to be 100% car to the consumer. And that's what a consumer wants. They want a clean, shiny, dry car. Yeah. You know, they want it relatively defect-free. But the defects that you and I would see, okay, through a trained eye, the general consumer doesn't see that.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, because we have so many options on the market now with the chemistry of coatings, it's not about the brand. It's about what's in the bottle that accommodates the service. You know, if that chemistry is a good fit for the service, you could downplay your service into something so simple, but yet getting your customer into something still relevant and giving them that clean, shiny and protected kind of service without the super premium cost of a high end coating. People aren't looking at it that way, though. They want the big dollar, the big ticket. It's no, that's not how it works always
1: probably less than 10 percent of the general consumer is going to know the coding they might have seen it in their car club or on the internet but at the end of the day they're coming to you the detailer saying
0: what do you have what do you yeah. think the best and this is ceramic my... not brand a brand b brand c Just yeah and i wanted to comes. add
1: oh hey i'm going to keep my car you know the average consumer in the u.s keeps a car for 39 months so selling these coatings that are, you know, well beyond five years, it's cool, okay? But the majority of people that are buying that most likely won't have that car in four years. You know, it becomes of, I want the best. Well, this is the best. And then they sell them that. Well, this may not be actually what they need. To me, a detail shop is about recurring revenue. Yes. So if you sell them a product and then sell them a maintenance or a maintenance plan, like, hey, I going to put this coating on your car, but I want you to come back every 90 days for a real decon wash and let me maintain it. Then the coating will last longer. To you, the detail shop owner, that's the most relevant thing. I mean, if you do this great correction and coating and then you tell them it's going to last umpteen years, where does that customer go? Not back to your place. They're, they're gone.
0: They're gone. They're gone. Yeah. So, they're pumping gas and driving and letting yeah, Mother Nature wash they're it. Like,
1: they're like, hey, my neighbor, man, I got this stuff in my car. last, lasts, you know, eight years and I'm, I don't have to see my guy anymore. And you're like, where'd all my customers go? That's, I gotta that, find new customers.
0: that's that traditional dealership concept in the finance department. Sold you on a paint seal <laughs> for five years. You never have to wash it. Yes, yeah, F&I <laughs> guys are, uh... Not to go down that road, but you know what I man, mean as an example. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs>
1: I run against that all the time, you know, and, and the traditional F&I offering that a car dealership has is a paint sealant at best, right? Um, we're selling ceramic programs into car dealerships now, but their traditional offering is a glorified paint sealant and they're telling that consumer, you know, hey, you put this on your car, we're gonna charge you a thousand dollars. You don't ever have to wax your car again. The majority of consumers buying that stuff are so excited that they're getting their new car that day They'll sign anything to get out of that room and get in their car and go home.
0: Yep.
1: And, and and they're like they forget that they ever buy it. It's almost God, and I hate to use the word Ponzi or pyramid scheme, but if you think about it, what's seven to ten dollars more on their monthly payment? They just want to get in the car and go home. Yeah.
0: You know, don't worry about that when they gotta start paying yeah. it And then by the time it's too late, they, got
1: to pay <laughs> they're no they gotta pay back. it. And they gotta pay it and they don't they don't remember it, you know. They are just so enamored, like, you see my new shiny car I'm about to get? I'm about to go out of here. They're posting it up on Facebook. They don't remember what they're signing. It's like the the F&I department has become this huge revenue source inside the car dealerships. Car dealerships are selling cars that basically cost holding, you know, waiting on their holdback money is how they really make money on the back end. Yeah, pushing inventory. Yeah, they're pushing inventory. It's about cars across the curve. So they make more money on their CSI score and the residual back end at the end of each quarter than they do on the car. New cars are loss leaders. They make money on parts, service, and then used car department. And it's literally the revenue model inside of a car dealership. Eighty percent of it's driven from the service department, and then F and I used car and parts. News cars, they're losing money, and people don't believe me when I tell them that. I know car dealers. We talk about it all the time. Oh yeah, you know. Oh yeah, they. Oh. they that's that's the world. They live on service. Okay, because that's the recurring revenue. And that's what I try to encourage the detail shops that I deal with. Think about your business, brand yourself. Don't live and die by a brand. It's great, but brand yourself. T- educate your customer on why they need to come back to you and you alone on what you're going to do for them and build that rapport with them. Where they, you're their trusted ally. Hey, car needs clean. I got a scratch on it. I'm going back to my guy.
0: That is, uh, I mean, I wish, you know, people listening to this, if they, if they let it, they need to really let it marinate because that's something that is huge in regards to customer retention is that maintenance. And that, that is huge for business, business revenue and a business motto. And if you're not doing that at, at, at a, at at a scale of either on a low level to high level, it depends on what fits your motto. If you're not exercising it period, then you're losing money. That's, that's right. all there is to it. Um, right. But you know, overall, I mean, I think we're we're in a good time frame right now, uh, Brian. As far as you know, how would people how would people reach you? Give us some plugs on how to. So, um, I'm I'm on uh, Facebook and Instagram at Detail
1: Link, and it's two L's in there, to a Detail Link, and then DetailLink.com is my website. Um, you know, I have all the stuff that I sell on my website. Um, and then if you ever need me, I mean, you can email me through my website. I'm happy to walk you through anything that you never want to talk about. You know. I like talking to people in my industry, whether it's the distributor friends that I have that do what I do or people like yourself. I mean, I, I like what I do. You know, it's very rare that people get to say that doing it as long as I've done it. Yeah. Um, you know, I still like what I do and I like the people I deal with, you know? Yeah. So to me, it's all about personal relationships. So even if you're not buying from me, I still take your phone call. If I don't, I'll call you back. Let me a voice. Or I'll get back to you. I always do. that's, one thing I kind of try to pride myself.
0: Very accessible. That's yeah, 100%. Accessible.
1: Um, and, then, you know, whether I'm your customer or not, I'm going to at least give you good advice or what I perceive to be good advice. I may not always be right. I may not always have the correct answer, but because of my relationship with people like you and other people in the industry, I know where to go find the answer that I don't know the correct answer to. And I may not be able to give you an answer unless I have to get back to you. But I know where to go get the, the correct answers. And, you know, all the people I've dealt with over the years from... The PB&E world, the body shop side of the world, car wash side of the world, and the detail world, somewhere in my network, I know where to seek out the answer to someone's problem.
0: Yeah. And that that in itself, 100% attests to that, that you're a wealth of knowledge. You know, the 28 plus years of you being in this industry from different angles of the industry have, have been able to bring things to the table in perspective. And also having the network of people that you've been able to work with personally not just you know and then being a phone call away is is super awesome And that's where you know if you're in the georgia area definitely check out his location you know reach out to him if you're you know wanting to expand and getting to the storefront approach for distributorship brian is is a guru when it comes to that and you know he'll give you some golden nuggets on how to get your you know the, the whole path started to that and um business plans of course you know getting that going yeah. so Thank you, Brian. Oh, I appreciate no, I, your time. I, yeah, really honored. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, everything. I mean, I, I, the, the recording you'll find on, you know, uh, on any of our podcast platforms, Buff and Shine, uh, Facebook page. So all of this will be there for you guys to uh, revisit, re-listen to on your way to work or your way home from a hard day's worth of work. And um, thanks again. And uh, we'll finalize this, uh, this episode. And Brian, take care and we'll Thank talk you, in the future.
1: Appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. All right, take care. Yep,
0: bye. Thanks for tuning in this week to Reflection Artist Live. We hope you had fun and learned something new. If you missed an episode or are looking for more, check us out on our social media or podcast platforms. And join us next week when we have another amazing guest. Don't miss it. We'll be talking business, life, and detailing. Also, don't forget to check out buffandshine.com for a variety of buffing pads and accessories for your detailing arsenal.